0: It's easy, I guess, to hear as a student sometimes like the connections and how they're important there are. And it's like, okay, yeah, I think I'll be able to get a job with my skills and with my resume. And this really proved that, especially at this point in time with the pandemic, that connections really are a huge part of this industry. It's who you know, and it's keeping those connections. Select CT
1: what's going on digital media fans happy to have you along for the select ct podcast i'm david DeRoche. i run the podcast program at quinnipiac university select ct is a production of digital media ct in partnership with quinnipiac the university of connecticut and the connecticut office of film television and digital media today we have a special episode because today we're talking to three people who have graduated from connecticut universities within the past few years and are now working in connecticut See, there are cool digital media jobs in Connecticut, and hopefully this podcast will help you find one. Joining us to talk about their journeys from the classroom into the workforce are Leah Myers, Brian Murphy, and Eric Indy Jean-Pierre. Leah graduated from the University of New Haven in 2018, and she's now a digital content producer for WTNH News 8 in New Haven. Welcome, Leah.
2: Hi. Thank you for having me.
1: Thank you for joining us. Brian is a former employee of mine at Quinnipiac, where he graduated just a few months ago. He's now a digital editor at NBC Sports in Stanford. Welcome, Brian. Hey, David. Thanks for having me. Thanks for joining us. And finally, we have Eric Endy Jean-Pierre. He graduated from UConn in 2017, and he's now a front-end developer for the game agency. Welcome, Eric Endy. Hi. Hi. Glad to be here. Glad to have you. So first, thank you all for coming on today to talk about this stuff. Leah, I just saw you had a story come out just a few hours before we started recording this. I'm hopeful the news cycle can just you know take a hike for a little bit while we talk. I guess we'll see. Um, and it turns out that you and I actually have uh, a connection. Uh, I actually have a connection with two of you. Brian, as I said in the intro, Brian worked for me as a podcast producer uh, at the uh, last year and this year, and Leah was an intern at WNPR when I worked there back in 2016, and I want to start with that internship process. So, you know, Leah, you were on the show side at WNPR. I worked on the news side, so we didn't cross paths too often. Uh, I sat on the other side of the newsroom, but I want to talk to you about the internship process. How do you think that uh, helped set you up for a career? Were there things about not just the WNPR internship, but just internships that you had that helped you, or are there things that you wish they had done that they didn't? Can you tell me about that process of interning and, and how that uh, set you up for your career?
2: um yeah just to start uh wnpr was one of my first internships um so i was kind of diving into the real world for the first time with it um at the same time the, just the way the cards fell i was also interning at a uh, connoisseur media which owns wplr and star 99.9 so i was able to see two different kinds of radio stations or types of radio per se um in one summer and um Just from that summer, I learned like um, taking initiative and uh, getting out of my shell a little bit. I can be a little shy. And these internships are about finding out who you are.
1: So I want to talk about a little bit more about how we as digital media practitioners make that transition from college to career. And Brian, since you are the, the, the youngest of the group and having entered the career only a couple of months ago, I want to talk about how you made that leap, especially during a pandemic. I imagine that might have been pretty challenging in terms of the interview process and all that kind of stuff. But uh, tell us what that process was like for you. How did you land that job and and uh, what's what sort of advice would you have for somebody trying to enter a, the space now as the pandemic is kind of still out there?
0: Yeah. And I mean, this was something that even without a pandemic, I mean, it's been you hear about from professors and, and other alumni about just how hard it is to break into, into the industry just in general. And um, so when I was, a, I, was a, I interned last summer, uh, or last spring, I should say, with the same NBC sports team. And I was able to get about two months experience in person and the pandemic hit. So we went remote. Um, so I had the connections. And this is where, I mean, another thing that the professors have drilled into you is connections, connections, connections. That's what this entire industry is about. And not only just knowing people but keeping in contact with them and that's the thing that I did I was you know I had the whole end of an internship meeting you know they were like obviously in a different world with no covid or anything this is probably a different conversation but they obviously couldn't bring me back they had to let go of so many of their you know full-time and even part-time staffers that there's no way they're going to you know rehire an intern at that time but able to just you know, stay in contact, send an email every month or so, just checking in, just not even just checking in to see about a job, just being like, Hey, like my boss had a new baby just so, Hey, how's baby Jack doing? You know, stuff like that. Um, Just, just kind of connecting on the human element and just actually showing an interest and not just, Hey, like, can you get me a job? Like, Hey, I'm actually interested in staying in contact with you. And that really is what ended up really benefiting with me at the end Um, he ended up switching departments but the assistant editor at the time took over who I had known and so just being in contact with him he was like hey like I've switched positions but make sure to reach out to uh, who my current boss is now so I did that Uh, had a couple conversations with him and that's when he was like hey we're losing a couple people Um, they've, they've got full-time jobs. We've got an opening. If you're interested, like to talk to you more about it. So I had applied for, I don't know how many jobs I went on, I think two or three interviews with those jobs that I had applied for and they got nowhere. And I ironically, the one job that I got is I really didn't do an interview for, I was the team that I had already interned with. Um, and I, that's where I'm at now. so it's 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 easy, I guess, to see, hear as a student sometimes like the connections and how they're important there are. And it's like, okay, yeah, I think I'll be able to get, you know a job with my skills and with my resume. And this really proved that especially and, thank, and especially at this point in time with the pandemic, that connections really are a huge part of this industry. It's who you know, and it's keeping those connections. Um, so that's how I was able to get this job. In. And really, if I hadn't been sending those emails throughout the time when I wasn't employed by them, um, I, don't, I wouldn't have gotten I, do, I don't think I would have gotten the job that I have now. So I'm very thankful that I listened to the advice that I'd gotten from other colleagues and from professors and uh, just stayed in contact with those people.
1: Well, Brian, you learned a lesson early on that some takes some of us a a long time to figure out, which is, you know, sometimes it's better to be a good person than just a really hard worker. And to your point, if if you are reaching out to somebody because you genuinely care about their life, that says a lot, right? That says a lot about who you are as a person, how you will fit into their culture. Because if you're coming to the table with uh, the same kind of skill set as 50 other people, what's going to set you apart? What's going to set you apart is your ability to fit in the culture, is your ability to be a good person. And so I, I'm really glad that you saw that and, and utilized that. And I think it has to be genuine, right? You have to actually care about those people. You can't just pretend to to, to care. But And so that, that just goes to the core of who you are as a person. So thank you for doing that. And I encourage you listeners out there to take that advice. I mean, definitely give a crap, right? Think, uh, think about these people as people. We're all human beings. We all have you know, things that we care about or things that we're afraid of and reach out to, to people and as people and establish those relationships early. So that's great. Um, Eric, I want to talk to you. Uh, you came to the game agency and tell me about that process from going from uh, the university of Connecticut to getting to the game agency. Did, did you have an internship? Was it similar to Brian's situation where that internship, uh, directly helped you into the job or how did you make your way to the game agency?
3: I was very fortunate. Um, I, I would say to getting into a game agency. I it was like the end of the sem- end of my last semester at UConn, and I didn't know where I was going. And um, my direct the director of my program of digital media, um, Matt Matthew Warward actually met my boss at a game jam, and my current boss was like saying talking to Matthew about how he needed people, he needed some new employees to um, to come in. And worked with them, and um, Matt Matt um, recommended me for the position and a, a few others. And after that, I got like an interview with the game agency and showed them some of my work, and they um, let me come in into the company. Um, that right after I was done with my right after graduating from UConn. In the beginning, it was like a, it was like an hourly pay. So like, I guess it was like a testing to see if I like was a good fit for the company. And then they fully onboarded me, um, like six months after.
1: Awesome. And so in that case as well, somebody you knew kind of vouched for you or stepped in and, and helped you get your foot in the door again, connections. And I, and I feel bad because Leah, I didn't give you a chance to talk about how you got your foot in the door at WTH. Uh, what was that process for like for you, uh, leaving university of New Haven and entering your career?
2: Um, well, I guess the backtrack to um, back to the whole uh, first internship thing, I was balancing WNPR and WPLR as my first internships and PLR more so led me to WTNH in a way. Um, I ended up getting a part-time job at Connoisseur Media where I would go and uh, uh, be a promotions team member promoting the stations and I eventually made my way around and became videographer. And this was during, uh, while I was a full-time student at, uh, the University of New Haven. Um, I was also working at my college radio station, which, um, was the reason why I wanted to do, uh, like work in radio, at least for that time in my life. And, um, as I was, after I graduated, I continued working at PLR and it was part-time and I was, I was ready for a full-time job with my bachelor's degree and whatnot. And I also felt, I mean, not only did I get my bachelor's degree in TV, I also just felt my next career move would be TV anyway. Um, So I applied to places and WTNH was one of them. And it just so happens that um, someone that used to work for PLR worked at WTNH at the time. He was the digital EP of um WTNH executive producer of WTNH and this person worked on the on on the PLR on air for WPLR and um people have told me about this person and uh when I applied uh he noticed the call letters on my resume and also had connections at PLR that were able to speak about um speak about me and I was able to get an interview there and get the job the next day so um yeah
1: wow Look at that. See, three out of three of you guys uh, utilized your connections to land your jobs. I know that sounds cliche because you probably do get this drilled into your heads constantly when you're in uh, university learning about this stuff. Um, But it's true, right? It's, It's who you know and how you are able to work with the people that you know. And keep your name out there. Uh, you can do the hard work. Uh, absolutely, the work is super important. But it, it's also equally as important to um, develop relationships with people. It's not, not just networking, right, but actual relationships to, uh, to what Brian was talking about. So I, I want to talk just a little bit more specifically about how you guys felt you were prepared on the school side. So internships obviously helped you uh, um, create connections and network and, and land jobs. Um, But how did your, your universities help in that process? Did they help you with the internships? Did they help you with the job stuff? Do you feel like you guys had the skills from going to school that really helped you in the work that you do? Let's start with Brian. How do you feel Quinnipiac did in preparing you for the workforce?
0: Yeah, I mean, it's one of, I think that they did a sensational job, not just in the classroom with the opportunities that you have outside the classroom, doing something like I did with you, David, working in the podcast studio, having that as an option for students, Uh, all the other student media organizations. You know, I did a lot of with the um, newspaper, working with the Quinnipiac Chronicle. I eventually became the editor-in-chief my junior year. And so working with that, um, I did some stuff for uh, their sports network, UBSN. So just even having those opportunities outside of the classroom, it's one thing to learn about it in the classroom. And yeah, like write a practice article, do a, you know, cut a TV highlight or something like that for a class assignment. Um, but it's another thing to get the actual experience outside the classroom and put and take the skills that you learn, um, which I, I, all the professors do a great job getting you those skills and then having those opportunities with what else Quinnipiac offers in order to put those skills really to the test and that's what, and ultimately you hear it's like with sport it's here practice practice makes perfect and and you're not going to get better at your craft unless you practice it and that's exactly what I was able to do at Quinnipiac I was able to feel like I had 2 3 years of actual experience in the you know media industry just by being a part of the media organizations and everything I learned in the classrooms so that when I ultimately graduated it's not like i'm going in and it feels like this is the beginning it just feels like i'm continuing what i learned at school and all the skills and all the tools that i was able to get while i was at quinnipiac and just easily translate over into the real world and that's what they're looking for they're looking for experience and that's another thing that kind of has been told is that this this industry is different it's about the experience not necessarily about oh what kind of degree do you have you have a master's you have like it's about the experience that you get and how much you have how much you have and how you're able to put those skills to the test. So I think Quinnipiac did a great job, obviously, in the classroom where I can learn how to write better and learn how to put together a TV package, learn how to edit audio and stuff like that. And then they had all the opportunities outside the classroom for me to really put those skills to the test and just improve upon um, those skills. So I think Quinnipiac did a great job. I don't know if I would have gotten this experience and I'd be where I'm at if I didn't go to Quinnipiac.
1: Well, I'd also have to talk you up a little bit, Brian. So when you joined us as a producer, you know, you and I sat down once, uh, or maybe twice—I don't even know—and and, and but you just got set up with the skills, and then you were off and running, and you know, self starter. So I, I really thank you for all the work that you did for us in the podcast studio, uh, and and I think that piece that you talked about that additional work that you were doing. So learning the skills in the classroom, super important, obviously, but doing the stuff, right? Either whether it's working for the newspaper or the radio station, the podcast studio, doing the stuff is where you really gain that experience, right? So the skills are are important, but you have to kind of do the thing to, to get that experience and to, to be able to leverage that into the workforce. So I want to talk about you know, since you, all of you are in digital media space, two of you are are uh, writing news copy for news organizations, and then um, Eric India, you are um, a developer for the game agency. So different fields, but you still sort of you know your presence still have an online presence um, where you have to think about the brand that you work within, right? So um, you know, you know, certainly for for Leah and Brian, you know, working for news organizations, you know that that plays a role in how you present yourself on social media. I don't want to talk to each of you. Um, or maybe start with you, Eric and D, um, since you're, you're you work for the game agency, not doing necessarily not doing at all news stuff, but digital media stuff. I wonder how you sort of embody uh, the sense of a brand, or how do you incorporate the brand that you work for, working for the game agency. How does that sense of branding play into your your work? Like, how do you are you thinking about branding when you're doing some uh, some of your work, and, and in what way does it influence the work that you do?
3: I do think about branding and um when I'm doing some of the work for um the game agency. I have to like think about like how to place some things and like right now we've been working on just making everything on brand, right? right. So like I, I'm constantly thinking like, well does is it similar to how we do it in this other game or should we change the way this looks or stuff like that? So I'm like I'm always constantly thinking about the branding and um
1: the work that I do. Was that something that that came to you naturally? Were you prepared for that? Or were you kind of surprised that that was the thing you had to focus on? Um, No, I I was
3: kind of prepared because like uh, UConn, they, they, my program like really talks about branding. And they're like, like, I remember like we have this thing called the Beach Ball Agency, where for like a year, you're kind of an agency within the school for working for outside companies. And we talk about brand guidelines like all the time and how stuff has to come in with brands. And also some of the clients, whenever clients come to reach for us for like a new skin, um, we have to match their brand. So we have to incorporate their brand while keeping our brand still looking good. So it's like it's always a mixture of brands going on. That's from, from my point.
1: That's really interesting. So I didn't even think about that. So, you know, as you know, doing the work for the game agency, you have your brand, but then you have clients that have a brand and finding that a marriage between the brands, I guess, is what you're kind of doing. That's interesting. Um, what about just your, your sort of presence online? Now, certainly Brian and Leah doing news stuff. Um, they probably have to be a little bit more cautious about their, their presence online as brand ambassadors for news sites. Does that affect you at all in your personal interactions online or are you free to, to sort of just be yourself online?
3: Um, yeah, I'm pretty, I'm pretty free. Like no one really, like, I'm not very like, um, customer facing right? or stuff like that. So like, you wouldn't know I worked for the game agency unless you were like on my LinkedIn. So like on LinkedIn, I would be more professional
1: right? on right. what
3: I, on what I share. But like on Instagram and on Facebook, I made a really great, like, um, divide between work and just me personally.
1: Smart. Smart. I, I remember when I was at uh, WNPR, I, I made some angry post. I had been up for like a long period of time, and I was on the train. And there were some, you know, um, young college guys being ridiculous. And I made some joke about, you know, fraternities or something. And my boss called me into his office. He's like, "You cover education. You cannot joke <laughs> about fraternities online." I'm like, "Oh yeah, you're right." So I, you know, I, I yeah. imagine. You know, for for you guys, um, for for Leah, tell me about your sort of presence uh, or your incorporation of the WTH brand. I mean, certainly they have their own style, um, but you know, in news, it's a little bit different. Do you feel like there is sort of a brand presence that you have to embody online, and if so, what does that like for you?
2: We kind of have to have this unbiased, um, all-serving voice uh, when we report the news, um, even though we're we're, we're we, when you report the news, ideally you would want, you don't want like one opinion to, you don't want to sway over one opinion to the other. You want to state the facts and let the viewer decide on how to interpret that news. And that goes into social media. Um, there, There is some wiggle room, like with lighter news, you can, we, we've been experimenting with like getting user input like oh what do you think of this ice cream flavor ice cream mac and cheese do you like it do you not like it um and then like we it was it's a real thing um they came out with it this week but uh so that was a, that was a big talker but like we as news 8 can't say this is disgusting do you agree um it, it we can't put words into people's mouths so we have to let the public uh interpret the news and uh decide for themselves. Um in terms of my personal um social media, I don't really post as it is. Um, but with uh but if I were to, there have been times where I'm like, I should comment on this and say what I think. But like I don't because someone could easily see that I work for News A and then um comment and say, how could you say that you work for news, you're fake news. And I don't want that to happen.
1: Right. Oh man, I'm with you on that. And that's a, that's a conversation for an entirely different podcast, but I'm with you on that. Um, Brian, for you working for NBC sports, you know, again, they have their, they have their style. Do you feel like, um, you have had to sort of change your style to fit in, in the NBC brand or what sort of things do you think you've had to do online to, to sort of match that brand of NBC sports? Or do you feel like it was more of a natural fit for you?
0: No, it seems like more of a natural fit. I mean, I'm also in a position where like people aren't going to be following. Hope, well, hopefully this will change in the future, um, but ho- they're not following necessarily my social media profiles for my NBC Sports content. That's kind of where I'm at right now. So, I don't, there really wasn't much of a change once I got hired there. It was one of those things that it, even when I was at Quinnipiac as a part of other organizations, where we did have to where you were tweeting and you were going to pat, working and you were essentially a face for them we had those meetings where even when i was a freshman i remember one of the first meetings that i was at for a student media organization they were like you need to watch what you post on social media because yes we are a student media organization but you are a representative as soon as you put that you know at in at whatever the account is in your profile you are Saying that I'm a representative of that organization. So it's been drilled in me for years that you've got to be aware of what you post online. And like, I don't really use Facebook. I use Instagram, but like I never post. Twitter is pretty much the only thing that I use. And for that, I mean, you can go to my Twitter profile and it's just all about sports anyway, which kind of fits in considering that's my job. But yep. I didn't really have to make any changes once I went to NBC Sports. Um, and I've seen like how other Mike and My other colleagues like use it, and it certainly looks like they're a little bit more lenient. I have people that it's their. It it looks like it's just their entire profession. It's 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 all their professional work, and that's totally fine. And but I still think that you should have a little bit of a personality on it. And so I really haven't had made that change, but. Like I said, it was one of the things that I think what I was doing anyway would fit in with NBC Sports if they were really on top of it and wanted me to be like really, really aware of what I was posting. But it's not like I can't post anything from any other media organization. Like I have to be right. NBC Sports. They're, they're pretty lenient and I can you, – you can build right. your own personal brand through it.
1: That's cool. And, and, and you know, I – I think that's, that's um, good advice for anybody entering the digital media space is pay attention to your, your personal brand online and how that uh, could impact your ability to, to get a career. And certainly in sports journalism, where you're writing about sports, I remember when I did some sports writing, you know, there's a lot more freedom in terms of using adjectives and being colorful and having fun with the language. So, you know, you know, I imagine also in, in broadcast, it's a little bit more light. You can probably insert, you know, uh, observations here and there, and you won't, we won't get in as much trouble as Leah might if, you she's posting about a murder and then she, you know, comments, makes some, you know, uh, observation about the, uh, you know, the, the person who's been, who's been arrested. So, uh, you know, different kinds of, of news, you know, certainly have, have different styles or different uh, standards that you can get away with. Um, but that, again, that's probably a whole other conversation <laughs> for another podcast episode. Uh, you know, we only have a couple of minutes left. I want to get you guys back into your jobs because I know you, uh, you're doing your jobs today. Um, so I just wanted to give you guys each a chance to talk about um, some things that uh, you did when you were looking for a job. We've already talked about a couple of them, certainly um, leveraging networks and, and making relationships and getting internships that uh, you think are going to help you. But any sort of specific things that we haven't talked about that um, really helped you when you started looking for a job, or were there things that you made, like, messed up? Like, were there mistakes that you made that you wish you could go back and say, oh my God, why did I do this thing that really hurt me when I was out there looking? Um, Eric Indy, let's start with you. What what sort of uh, things did you do that really helped uh, when you were looking for a job, or were there any mistakes that you made that you wish you could take back?
3: I had an interview for Google, and, like, I... My um, self confidence when they in- gave me the interview was so low. I oh. wish, I wish I tried a little harder. But like for Google, like for like coding, when you do an interview for them, sometimes like that they make you do a whiteboard test, right? Which is pretty much just coding without any help from an IDE, oh, which is no, which no auto, usually... auto fill ins or anything like that. Yeah, yeah, it doesn't do auto fill ins, right? So Oof. before you do the um, interview, so like they give you like a lot of time, like. Like, I don't know. I don't know how much time. They give you pretty much a month to prepare for the interview. Cause, wow. And they give you resources to prepare, like, like all right, how to succeed in an interview, what to do for the interview. Oh, wow. And my, so you have to do, like, this thing called leak code, which is, like, pretty much – you're pretty much doing, like, coding problems, like, all day, every day. And they, like, go from easy to hard. So my self-confidence was so low that I barely did any leak code. And then when the interview oh. day came up, I – was doing the whiteboard and it was like the easiest code <laughs> like the code assignment was so easy and like right. i and i barely tried um i barely did the delete code right so like if i did the delete code it was like literally a leak code exercise uh-huh. and if i just did the delete code i probably would have like done it way better than i performed mm. so i i ended up failing the interview but i don't know next so next time I feel like if I had a chance, I would like try a little harder.
1: Well, I think it's a, it's a really good point, you know, and in some ways we can over-prepare, right? And if, if yeah. they give you that much time, you know, it, you know, it also gives you time to get anxiety or develop self-doubt. So, mm-hmm. you know, you know, I, I think a lot of us probably would have experienced something like that, especially with a company like Google with its, you know, uh, yeah, the name resources. just freaks
3: me out. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh,
1: what, what advice would you have for, for somebody trying to get in game development now? What, uh, what sort of things would you tell them? Um, I would tell them to like make make something. Just um
3: try to like make a something small or something big, depending on how you feel. Learn learn a, learn an engine. Like everyone wants you to Like at least know like some type of engine, like Unity or Unreal. Um, I remember I used to go to like um a lot of like game events, like. Those things, those things are awesome because I went to like New York City um, game events. And the only reason I went was because I had a great professor that like encouraged us to go. And if you really didn't have the money to go, he would repay you the ticket fee for trains or whatever. So he was very like encouraging on doing stuff like that. And like I met Avalanche Studio developers over there and I didn't have a business card. So like make sure you have a business card. But they asked (laughs) for my business card and I was like, I don't have a business card. So that was pretty cool, meeting Avalanche Studio developers and asking them for their advice. Yeah. And yeah, like try to go to events. Like there's a lot of cool events and like maybe inspiration to do stuff. Those things are a very great help.
1: Yeah, absolutely, and and I hope as COVID starts to wane, more and more events will will be out there and take advantage of them. I agree. You know, all the journalism events I used to go to, meeting people from all over the country and sometimes all over the world. If you're into journalism, the investigative uh, reporters and editors conferences are incredible. Computer assisted reporting conferences are really great. So yeah, definitely take advantage of those. If there are events where people in your field are going to be there, um, again, as COVID wanes, definitely take advantage of them. Great advice. Thanks, uh, Eric and D. Um, Leah, what are your thoughts? So to just tell me quickly, um, were there things that you that really helped you when you started looking for work? Or were there mistakes that you made along the way? What what kind of things can you tell us for uh, listeners who might want to get into digital content production?
2: Um, I used my time at PLR as like a way to find out what I really wanted to do and get as much skills as I could, as many skills as I could. Um uh, while I was at school, we had alumni come back and tell us you have to try freelance no matter what. So I did try. I had a few clients, and it worked out. Um, but it just the just the freestyle, not the freelance type of thing wasn't for me. I didn't want to be my own boss, as they say. Um, also, during the job hunt, I looked on Indeed, LinkedIn, tried to Google. I googled all the different companies, media companies in Connecticut. Um, look, checked their job places. I even tried to temp job places, but they're not necessarily I didn't have great experiences with them because they find you office jobs, not necessarily production jobs. Um, I guess this wasn't really a failure because it worked out in the end. But I guess one thing I learned during the, the job search is to call back, even if they don't leave a phone number. What happened was I got a phone call from a number that had an unusual amount of eights in the phone number. And I'm like, well, they would leave a voicemail if they wanted to call me. It turns out they left a voicemail, but it just so happened it got stuck in the server and it took another voicemail three weeks later to push that voicemail in. And it just so happened that was a voicemail from WTNH. Um, I was able to call them back, do phone tag, and the position was still open, so after awesome. calling a couple of times, you're able to set up an interview and it, I was able to get the job. Um, but I learned from that um, call back, um, mm-hmm. check the phone number and make sure it's actually a phone number from a place you applied. Um, and when I found out I got the voicemail, the three weeks later, I'm like, do I even bother with this? Call them back. And you never <laughs> know. And that little blip in the system worked out for the best for me, I guess.
1: <laughs> yeah. That, that, that's great advice. Call back. I mean, uh, you know, be persistent, be annoying if you have to. Obviously there's a level of annoyance that, you know, might push you over the edge, but that's, that's a great advice. And I think that's helped me land numerous jobs as well. Being persistent, you know, coming up with creative ideas that they're not thinking about, but that, that persistence and and calling back and not being afraid you know what's the worst that can happen they say stop calling or go away uh, that's that's great advice be persistent and yes freelancing is hard no matter what industry you're in it's a whole other skill set our producer Justin Matley can probably talk about that um and, and lastly Brian just for you um, what was your experience like um, or, or what sort of things did do you think helped you uh, in addition to things we've already talked about land your career and were there any sort of mistakes that you made that you wish you could take back?
0: Yeah, I I would say the one thing is in this industry, always keep yourself busy. Always be doing something. And even when, you know, it may not be the biggest thing. Like, I, when I was in between jobs, and I've been doing this even when I, before I even got an internship, before I got a job, was just writing for different sites and big and small. I've written for, you know, a small little blog site that covers you know that cover like the bruins but it's like pretty much only if you were a diehard bruins fan you were going to know about this website like it was something that wasn't not well known it didn't pay um but it was something that kept me busy it's something that you can say and bring up on an interview they were like okay so we see that you you know didn't necessarily have a quote unquote you know like big job or like a full-time job in between these times. So what were you doing? And if, if you can say that, hey, like, well, yes, but I've been doing this. I either, you know, some people have their own YouTube show or they have their own blog site. As long as you're continuously doing stuff to help better your craft, that's going to look really well. Because if if you were have the same credentials, same exact experience as someone else, but they were doing stuff on the side in for three months where they weren't didn't have a job, and you just kind of sat there and didn't do anything. You're not going to get that job. They're going to give it to the other person who is active and staying and honing their craft. So that would be the one advice that I would give, and that's something that um, I've I learned a few years ago, and it certainly has helped benefit me. And it was part of the reason why I was able to get this job because they asked, they were like obviously, when no one's hiring. Like, what are you doing right now?" And I was able to say, "I was working at the podcast studio. I was blogging for different sites." Um, right. One of the, one of the mistakes that I made, and I have since learned, and it's hard when you're first starting out because you don't necessarily sometimes have the validation that what's your skills and what you think that you're worth because you're not getting some of these jobs. And you might be – It's sometimes some jobs where they have a big-name company attached to it, uh, it's scary to apply for and you think that you're not ready for it and you're not going to be um, – and you're not going to get it. So it's like, well, why bother apply? And I did that I think when I first looked for internships the first my first year before I interned at NBC Sports – um, some of the big-name companies, like an NBC Sports at the time, it would have been like that, like an ESPN, I was scared to apply for because I'm like, there's no way that they're going to accept me and they're not going to hire me. So why would I even bother with the application? And then I started to see a few other of my classmates get internships and started to be, build the frustration because it's like, I know that my skills and what I can bring is either the equivalent of them or in some cases, I thought I could be better than them. But they were getting sure. these other internships and I wasn't. But then it's easy to look at. Okay, well, look at what the internships and all the jobs were that I applied for. I didn't apply for those jobs, and so you're immediately you're not going to get the job if obviously if you don't apply for it. So that's something that I learned, and it's since changed. But um, it's easy to see and read descriptions and see a job at a big company, and it's like there's no way that I'm going to get this. Why bother? I would just just apply for it. The worst thing that can happen is you're going to get denied. And you're going to get denied by any sort of company. And it's gotten to the point where I've gotten denied a first interview from a really small news organization, but I've gotten second interviews from much bigger organizations. And it's like, clearly these guys are recognizing my name. It's like, everyone has different process of hiring people. So don't limit yourself. Apply. If you find a job that you're interested in, doesn't matter what the title is. doesn't matter what the company is. Apply for it anyway, because you're just... You're only hurting yourself if you don't apply for it.
1: It's great advice. And I think that, you know, speaks back to what Eric Kendi was talking about when we applied for Google. You know, um, having the, obviously having the skills to be able to do it, but you know, being intimidated by a big name. I, I felt the same way when I applied to the NPR affiliate in Hartford. And, you know, feeling a little bit like an imposter, right? Like uh, I'm probably not going to be able to get this. But I think it really does come down to just telling yourself, okay, I have the skill set why not just go for it right and if you go for it and then you know you sure we might experience self doubt here and there but be confident in your skills right we all have room to grow and i think it's also important to acknowledge those places where you 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 can grow and not you know pretend like you you have all the skills right and i think that that's uh that employers want that as well they want that that honesty and keep yourself busy great advice i, I you know when i was in college i in my last couple of semesters i was in the comedy club i was in the communications club i was at the radio station i had a column for the newspaper and i think all those things definitely, definitely help. So you guys, this was really great. Thank you so much for sharing your path from college to career. I want to thank our guests, Leah Myers, Brian Murphy, and Eric Andy jean pierre for talking about their transitions from college to career. Leah, Brian, and Eric, thanks so much for joining us on Select CT and keep up the great work. Thank you, David. Thanks, Thank you select ct is a podcast production of digital media ct in partnership with quinnipiac university the university of connecticut and the connecticut office of film television and digital media check us out on instagram and twitter at digital media ct that's digital media underscore ct tell us what you think about our show we'd love to hear from you you can also follow me on twitter at saving ej and don't forget to subscribe to the podcast on apple podcasts spotify and other apps if you want to learn more about the digital media landscape in Connecticut, visit DigitalMediaCT.com. Our producer is Justin Matley. Matt Worwood is our executive producer. Our marketing coordinator is Marvin Lewis. I'm David Roche. Thanks for listening. Now get out there and make some media.
0: Select CT.